Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey, everyone. I'm Jacqueline Johnson, the founder of Create and Cultivate. And this is Work Party, a podcast for a new generation of women who are ditching the rule book and redefining the meaning of work on their own terms. In each episode, we bring in leading female entrepreneurs for real talk advice on the topics that matter most to the modern career woman. From hiring to mentorship to raising money and so much more, whether you are pivoting to a new industry, negotiating a raise, turning your side hustle into a full-time gig, or pitching your company to investors, we're giving you the tips and tricks you need to take your career to the next level. Are you ready to make some money moves? Well, welcome to Work Party, the podcast. Welcome back to another episode of Work Party, which celebrates a new generation of women and femmes who are redefining work on their own terms. Today, I'm talking with Bridget O'Carroll, founder of Studio Kila, the first native-owned online fitness studio, which offers a high-intensity Pilates-inspired workout she developed herself. Bridget is an Austin-based entrepreneur and also works full-time doing product strategy at Google and previously was chief of staff at Uber and a consultant to many Fortune 500 companies. She combined her background in tech and movement and training to build the Kila brand and method while striving for greater representation, inclusion, and accessibility in the wellness space. So welcome to the podcast, Bridget. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited to have you. I love, you know, this tech background that you have and sort of parlaying it into this new thing that you are so excited about. But let's start from getting talked to us. What is Studio Kila? Studio Kila is a high-intensity Pilates platform that is offered live via Zoom classes on demand, which is the pri- my primary business. And I've also started doing a bunch of in-person pop-ups in Austin. Oh, fun. Are you bringing any here to the West Coast anytime soon? That is the plan. I've actually started talking to a few venues here also. So Exciting. we'll keep you updated. <laughs> so what differentiates this from a traditional Pilates class? Or like, is it more mat, more machine? Like, how, what is what is the process? So my background is I worked at a big major Pilates studio that used the big mega former machines. Before that, I was a distance runner. I have a dance background. And so I basically developed a mat version of what I knew to find that same really high intensity, that grittiness, but I pair it with this really form 
first methodology. Ooh, okay. I'm so excited about this because I'm a huge Pilates fan, but I also like to get that like burn Mm -hmm. when I'm working out. So I'm so excited to check this out. But let's start from the beginning. So you're still working full-time as a strategist at Google. Obviously, previous to that, you were at Uber, like these major, major companies. So what was the experience like? And I think so many people are interested in answering this question of starting your own company while still working full-time at your job. Yes. I never planned to be an entrepreneur. I'd been working in strategy and operations for a while, chief of staff at Uber. And on the side, I was working as a fitness instructor. It was my side hustle. And I had moved to Philly. I was going to Wharton to get my MBA. And I was really about continuing my career and future-proofing myself as I was working at these major companies. But I Realized I missed teaching. I started training with another studio in Philly. And the week I was on the schedule was the week that we all remember in March 2020 Mm. when COVID happened. And after a few months, I realized, you know, I had my business school classes, but my major movement was going from my bed to the fridge to the couch where I'd sit down and do my classes all day. I felt really lonely and sluggish. I started exploring the different on-demand options out there. And I just couldn't find exactly what I needed. That like mix of high intensity with that community while also having this like form first attitude, something that's actually sustainable for your body. And so I, as a consumer, had this need and that's how I approached it. I wasn't approaching it saying, oh, I want to be an entrepreneur. I was approaching it as, hey, I'm looking for something and I can't find it. And so it's worth it to me to continue my classes at business school and then going to Google and building my own business while also working full time. So you're really busy. (laughs) Yes. Like business school, business, side hustles, jobs, and then obviously your full time job. What experiences at your full time job have really helped in launching your business? Like, have is there anything that you've kind of taken from that corporate world and brought with you? Because I know I've interviewed a few people who, you know, have started businesses post-corporate life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, some have, you know, the good, the bad that they brought along, kind of learned with them. And others, you know, kind of feel like they you know, almost knew too much going into it. They mm-hmm. wish they were a little more naive and, and didn't know as much as they did. Honestly, my work in tech has really taught me to run and manage a business. And I've honestly had an amazing time in my corporate career. And I really value everything I've learned and still continue to learn while I'm at at Google. So at Uber, I started an an operations role at the time of hashtag delete Uber. Then I helped take it through their IPO as chief of staff to the head of rides, the most mature business at Google. I helped lead, lead strategy for Google Maps, which is an extremely mature space, but also continuously disruptive. But while these businesses are super different from Studio Kila as an industry, at the end of the day, they all connect consumers to a platform. So I'm thinking about connecting users with the platform, connecting users with each other. I'm thinking about customer segmentation, retention, the user experience. And it's been hugely helpful to understand from the startup stage to the IPO stage at Uber, as well as the multi-billion dollar stage with Google. And be able to apply that to something in a different industry that's at a much different stage that's much smaller. 
In some ways, it's actually more complex building my own business because I'm literally starting from zero Mm -hmm. and I need to figure out all the operations. And in some ways, it's simpler because I'm actually on the ground. I understand everything operationally. I'm getting all the feedback because I'm working directly with my end users. But it's been a really nice pairing for me to say, okay, these are super different. But at the end of the day, if you think about the function, it all comes down to the same thing, building, managing a business and trying to create a community around it. Absolutely. So the digital fitness space exploded during COVID, Mm -hmm. obviously. We all remember everyone was trying to get online and create fitness classes. And then there's a lot of fitness influencers doing classes. So how are you approaching a saturated market like digital fitness? Like what is your strategy to stand out from the rest? Obviously, you've created a very specific workout, which is awesome. But in the future, like how are you thinking about the business? I would have said the exact same thing. This market is so saturated. It's so full of these major brands which have access to a ton of capital. And then there's so many huge influencers out there that are also approaching it. So like, what do I have that's going to be able to compete and disrupt with all those very established players? And like you mentioned, COVID was one way because it offered this huge disruption where suddenly a lot of individuals broke off from major companies and could react a little bit more swiftly to what was needed in the market. But for me, I felt like fitness overall, not even digital fitness, there were a couple of things that I was missing. So I had been working out in the boutique studios where it's like super expensive, but you get this community feel and you get this really high intensity, this gritty workout that I craved a bit. But at the same time, as an instructor in that space, I was always injured. Me and all the other instructors were always in physical therapy, trying to repair kind of the damage of just the go, go, go attitude. And then when I started working at home, everything felt just a little bit too gentle. It didn't have that Mm. toughness that I was looking for. So I was looking to kind of marry these two pieces and find something that felt like it was just good for me while also giving me that, you know, workout high that I was looking for. So now that's kind of how I approached it in the beginning. This is the gap that I see. Mm -hmm. Here's my need as a consumer. But now as a business you asked me about differentiation. My points of differentiation that I think about is method, accessibility, and being mission-driven. So in terms of my method, I now refer to it as form over ego. So it's about not going for what looks the most advanced. It's not about staying your toes, getting your leg the highest. It's about maintaining your form Mm. because that's going to be the most efficient and effective way that you can work out. It's still tough. But it's a way that you're like, okay, I'm going to be aware of my body sensations and what's going on. I'm not going to worry about what the person looks next to me on the Zoom call or whatever it is. Um, I'm going to focus on how things feel for me and get the best workout that I can and balance this idea of high intensity with this kindness to your body. The second is accessibility. So on a similar vein, not Every move is going to work for everybody. We all have different proportions, different abilities, different physicalities. So another key thing I integrate is accessibility and movement. So how can I introduce three different options for every single move that I teach? You notice how things feel for you. I talk about where in your glute you should be feeling it. You make the adjustments that relieve your hips, relieve your low back. So you can really feel 
that muscle that we're trying to work, it's going to look different. The other part of accessibility is this price point accessibility. Coming from the fitness space, I literally took on a second job in order to fund my own fitness habit. So how can I make this accessible from a socioeconomic position? So I have a bunch of different price points starting at $20 per month, going up to 60 And I also have scholarships for anyone who needs it, no questions asked. And that leads me to being super mission-driven. A core part of my my business is building representation for Black and Indigenous and people of color in the wellness space, a space that has so much cultural appropriation that doesn't have that representation. So I honestly consider myself to not even purely be in the fitness space. I think about mental and physical strength, the power of giving back to our broader community, and about supporting people you don't always see in the wellness world. It's really a movement. Are you looking for a business consultant to help you transform your organization and create a culture of success? If so, look no further than Culture Partners. For over three decades, the company has been helping businesses of all sizes achieve their goals and reach new heights. As a company, Culture Partners believes that a thriving organization starts with a strong culture, and it's impacted hundreds of thousands of lives by helping businesses transform their internal environments using research-based insights. Because of this approach, Culture Partners enables clients to achieve sustainable business transformation. Its experienced professionals will help you design a culture that supports your business objectives and aligns with your values. Culture Partners' approach to organizational development makes it easy to scale, no matter what the size of your company. Its consultants understand the importance of creating an environment where people feel valued and respected. They can help you identify the key elements that make up your organization's culture, somewhere people want to work, and develop strategies to ensure it's aligned with your vision. Each consultant has a wealth of knowledge and experience, and they're always willing to share their insights and advice with their clients. They understand that no two businesses are the same, and they tailor their services to meet the unique needs of each individual company they work with, whether you're big or small. They are always available to answer questions, provide guidance, and offer advice on how to best move forward in a way that will empower and inspire employees to thrive for excellence. So if you're looking for experienced consultants who are passionate about helping you create a culture of success, visit culture.io to connect with one of their culture experts. That's culture.io. Hi, friends. I'm Cameron Rogers, host of Freckle Foodie and Friends podcast, which is now on Dear Media. Are you wondering what just happened to your life after having a baby or struggling with your mental health during postpartum? That was me just a few months ago. Are you working on healing your relationship with yourself, your body, and or food? Same. We are all on a journey to self-love and acceptance, and I am right there with you. That's what Freckle Foodie and Friends is all about, reminding you that no matter what, you are not alone. Make sure to tune in for season five, launching with Dear Media on November 9th and subscribe to listen to new episodes every Wednesday morning. In terms of the price point, you know, I think that's really smart. You know, when it came to the business model, what did you look at in terms of research? Like, how did you get to that place where you were able to like, you know, price accordingly? And like, as you grow the business, like, how are you thinking about diversifying out the businesses like, you know, product in your future? Or how are you sort of thinking about that? Yeah. So in terms of price point, my first foray into the space was I want to create a community Mm -hmm. and I wasn't planning on starting a business. I put on the Zoom classes and people came. So at first I was offering it for free. And then I said, okay, people are literally asking me, can I pay you? Can we do this more? Can I have recordings? And so I started 
testing pricing through donation classes, which I donated Mm -hmm. to nonprofits that supported Black and Indigenous peoples. And that gave me my first data point. How much are people willing to pay? Mm -hmm. And that's probably elevated because that is going to a nonprofit. That's a donation. But how can I use this to understand how are people willing to pay in this pretty new space at the time when people were new to working out online on Zoom? And it's also beneficial because the fitness industry is a high cash flow space. I was able to start this business with literally $16, enough for a Zoom membership and Spotify. And then everything I invested back into the business, I had already made. I was able to operate with really low overhead, which gives me this flexibility to offer scholarships, to think about lots of different price points. And by being a lower price point, I also have access to more people, which has been really good for growth. New products I rolled out. At first, it was just single class, pay what you can. And then I started rolling out, okay, how can I build more of a community, get people to come back that's recurring revenue, which is also going to be much more beneficial to a business to have that, you know, people locked in like that. So I rolled out a couple different pricing tiers, just on demand, live classes plus on demand, you know, played around with a bunch of different things and kind of analyze what the reaction was from my user base, ran promos to understand what is the price elasticity. And then I've continued to kind of explore that. So in person is what's going to be coming next. I'm Mm -hmm. still offering free community classes. Brand partnerships and sponsorships has also been really huge for me. Corporate partnerships have been one of the most efficient ways to grow revenue as well. I love that. I love that it's sort of figuring it out along the way, but that's such a great way to do it. You know, to your point, like donation based, seeing what people, what the, you know, kind of threshold is, and then obviously launching the tiered membership strategies as well. So what has been the most rewarding thing of having your own business? Obviously you still have your full-time job, but like as you're going into this new experience in many ways, like what has been something that's the most rewarding? So I'll say two things. The first is building representation of Native peoples into this mainstream wellness space and connecting with other Native founders, creatives, and brands, and ally supporters. Natives are often seen as the invisible minority, while so much of Native culture is appropriated in the wellness world, from saging to sweat lodging, commercial mm-hmm. healers, ayahuasca retreats. And having my own business has meant I have the privilege and also the responsibility to use my platform in a way that upholds my values. And it's just been so incredibly meaningful to be able to uplift not only Indigenous, but Black, Indigenous, people of color, minority voices. The second is connecting in a really vulnerable way with my students. I often open up my schedule to meet with my students one-on-one And people are so incredibly open with me on how they're feeling mentally and physically about their identity, about their bodies. And it's so humbling to have that trust and to be able to build their strength and confidence. Yeah, I love that so much. I can imagine like, especially during the pandemic, it was like that was people's escape. That's what made them feel sane, you know, as we were kind of all navigating that. So I can imagine there's a big connection there between you, your classes, and your students as well. So what has been the biggest lesson that you've learned along the way? The biggest lesson that I've learned is how brands react to and embed social issues. So alongside the pandemic, the Black Lives Matter movement was really brought to the forefront, and it really had such a transformative impact on me. 
It was this upheaval that brought social issues and the importance of representation mainstream and made me feel worthy and like embracing my own identity could be about something bigger. Mm. It became so important to me that I integrated a lot of these learnings directly into my business model to support Black and Indigenous peoples. So 10% of my proceeds go to organizations that support BIPOC people. We've raised an additional 15K through one-off donation classes and I offer the scholarships, no questions asked. Because I think there's this cultural piece that's connected to this socioeconomic piece. Natives have the highest poverty rate in the U.S., And for me, that meant I was supporting my dad and my little sister at 23, just out of college. I was also a former athlete, and I craved that community and that movement. And so I got really good at finding free workout classes. And eventually, that's why I got my first job in fitness Mm. was because that $10 an hour actually made a difference to me. But I don't want other people to feel like they need to take on a second job in order to afford yeah. movement. So accessibility, in addition to representation, has just become really important to what Studio Kila is. Wow, that's amazing. And it's so awesome that you have, you know, since the beginning instilled that within the company and the values and also just the bottom line, frankly, which yes. is really, really cool. So what advice would you give to someone who's listening who maybe has a full-time job similar to you, has this fun little thing they're doing on the side, would love that to be their full-time thing, but like doesn't think they have enough time in the day? Like what have been some of your learnings balancing those two things? A few things. One is this importance of prioritization, but mostly deprioritization and also carving out time for rest. I take a very similar stance to my working style as I do to my working out style. And it's all about where can I place my time that's most efficient, most effective, and where can I drop things that I don't necessarily need. So that deprioritization space becomes really, really important. This is just not worth my time. The return is not going to be there. And the other point is this idea of rest. My hot take is you do not need to work out every day. In fact, you shouldn't work out every day. Your muscles need time to recover and your brain needs time to recover. Sometimes I let myself just be like, this evening, I'm just going to veg. I'm going to sit. I'm going to watch some trashy TV and let everything turn off. Same with rest days from working out. I'm going to let myself just completely rest, maybe go on a little walk, but that's it to Mm. really allow myself to recover and rejuvenate. I love that. What's your go-to trash TV? (laughs) Oh, they're so bad. I can't even say they're like really bad. I'm not ready to let that out. (laughs) You're like, that is confidential. Yeah, it's like very confidential. Highly classified information. No, that's fair. That's fair. So when you look at the future of Studio Kila, like what does it look like for you? Like five years, 10 years down the line, what does it look like for you? Is it an IPO? Is it multiple you know, studios across or is it just, you know, the digital platform and maybe some enhancements there? So at the end of the day, I want to be a community and a movement of people who want to get stronger as individuals, as a team, as a broader community. And I've become really interested in this idea of marrying the physical and digital space. Digital will always be my primary offering because that's how you can reach so many people. Mm -hmm. That's where you have that low overhead and you can connect with people that you wouldn't otherwise be able to connect with. But that physical space is where you can get a little bit deeper of a connection and having those touch points can make the digital experience be even more meaningful. 
So ultimately, I see myself having a physical space that is combined with this digital offering. I see it expanding from purely fitness and movement to recovery. We've already integrated stretching. Mm. I've been rolling out some new class types that are about moves to do before your next big meeting, how to, you know, gain confidence through movement, how to work on your posture. So what are other areas through movement that we can focus on to make us feel better throughout the day without being like, I'm going to sit down for 45 minutes and get a sweat in. So I see class types expanding. I see myself growing my team and just doing more in-person events, collaborating with other brands who are also mission-driven and, you know, focus in a similar space. People always ask me, well, am I going to leave and just do my own thing? And right now, it's hard to say because, like I mentioned, having my tech jobs, you know, it's it's a lot to work on. But it's also just so beneficial to me to have those various experiences that I can apply to my own work. So still TBD. Yeah. And I think that's a great place to be. And, you know, I think you can do both like you can do both successfully, you Mm -hmm. know, really well. And only you'll know when it's time for you to, you know, think about taking that next step. But I think that's a great way to kind of think about it, because I think sometimes people feel like, oh, I haven't I'm not successful because I'm not just doing that full time. No, it's it's quite the opposite, I would say. Yes, absolutely. So let's wrap with some rapid fire questions. Are you ready? Yes. This year, I really want to Partner with mission-driven brands and individuals to host in-person experiences in Austin, LA, and hopefully beyond. Ooh, I feel like you can definitely find some really cool brands that would be so down for this. So we should chat about that. Every entrepreneur needs to want to solve something more than they want to be an entrepreneur. I always say, do not be an entrepreneur to be an entrepreneur. It's not worth it. <laughs> it's not that fun, you guys. Um, no, I, I love that so much. I, I do think I always say like every business I've ever started was to solve a problem. And I think that's a great way to kind of approach it. And to your point, like it's sim- very similar to Studio Kila and Craig and Coldway is like the community was there first. The business came later. And I think that's an interesting approach that a lot of people should think about, you know, as they're kind of looking to build something. Yes. And especially coming out of business school, there's so many people who are like, I want to be an entrepreneur. Entrepreneurship is sexy. (laughs) And in some ways it is like this week is very sexy for me because I'm here in L.A. I'm recording with you guys. I have a photo shoot later. But next week I'm going to be like, (laughs) at my desk in my sweatpants, deep in Excel, doing decks. 100%. And so you really got to commit and be like, no, it's I have a passion for the problem that I want to solve more than, oh, I want to be an entrepreneur. Totally. <laughs> I, I always would laugh because like my team, when we were in the office back in the day, would always be like, you need to do more behind the scenes content of like you in the office. I was like, it's just me on back to back calls. Like it's boring. <laughs> no one wants to see it. Exactly. Good leaders. Listen more than they speak, especially to perspectives that are different from their own. I love that. Well, thank you so much, Bridget, for being on the show. Can you tell everyone where they can learn more about you and Studio Kila? Yes, you can follow us on Instagram at Studio Kila, Q-I-L-A, and my Instagram, Bridget.O'Carroll. And you can also find us at StudioKila.com. Amazing. I can't wait to take a class. Yes. Thank you so much. Thank you. 
For more inspiring conversations like this one, follow the Work Party Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure to rate and review us or show us some love on social. We love seeing you tune in every week and share your favorite episodes. We're at Work Party on Instagram and at It's a Work Party on Facebook and Twitter. I'm your host, Jacqueline Johnson, and this is Work Party. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.